All right, welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, sex explorers all around to the very first episode, take two, let's say. <laughs> very first episode, take two of Sexplorations with me, your host, Adelina Adler. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining me on my quest to become the ultimate magician, <laughs> a somatica certified sex coach as well. Uh, I appreciate you taking some time to uh, join me this evening and uh, I'd like to apologize because I did have some technical difficulties this time around uh, working my stream figuring out all this technology so I had planned to have some video footage of my pretty little face to go along with this wonderful milky voice of mine but I did not um, did not make that happen this time around, uh, despite giving it the good old college try, but that's okay. We make mistakes, and that's perfectly fine. And that's kind of along the topic of what we're going to be dealing with today. Because um, today we're talking about shame. That's right, we're talking about shame, guilt, worthiness, and the desire to belong and I, I see some of you here in the chat already. Thank you. Welcome back. Yes, this is round two. I was I was not happy with that first one. I felt a sense of uh, guilt that it didn't quite go the way I expected, so I decided to fix it. Now, why are we talking about guilt and shame and all of this? I thought we were supposed to be talking about sex and all the lusty, musty stuff. But uh, yeah, we we are. It, it turns out that uh, when it comes to shame and expectations and being shamed and shaming, oh, there's a lot of that that goes on when we talk about our sexuality, when we talk about sexuality in general. And that's right. Uh, whether it be being shamed or shaming partners, uh, the, the it comes up a lot. <laughs> so today we're going to be taking a look at a book by a research professor at the University of Houston, Brené Brown, and her book is titled Men, Women, and Worthiness, The Experience of Shame and the Power of Being Enough. Now, uh, I know this is tailored um, to just the genders of men and women, but I do want to open the floor as well uh, for discussion when it comes to those who are non-binary uh, in their identification and all of the identification sphere. So if there are any other wonderful LGBTQ plus people out there, hey, if you want to come in and contribute, please, your discussion is absolutely welcome. I am eager to learn. We are all eager to learn a little bit more about those experiences as well. Um, so now, why do we start with shame? Uh, because a lot of what holds us back, a lot of the our predispositions that we have based on on sex and sexuality and how we think of it, what, what we think it even is and how it's supposed to be done and with whom and why and all these things, they're tied to our, our, our senses of schemas. Now, in psychology, uh, what schemas are is a predisposed notion, like a roadmap of how something or someone is supposed to be or behave or perform or like just having a schema is, is, is like a plan. It's, it's a map. So when you have a schema, you have this idea of 
what to expect from something. And a lot of times you're going to measure your experiences based on the schemas that are already pre-existing in your mind. So unfortunately, when a lot of us uh, find things that don't match up to our schemas, whether it be ourselves or someone else, when that re when the reaction to that is an attack at their value, at the value of ourselves or an attack at value, that is what we call shame here. So uh, first off, let's begin by uh, kind of giving some operant definitions of what we mean by shame and guilt, because I realized, especially during the first round, that uh, a lot of times uh, the two terms tend to be conflated a little bit, and I didn't do a very good job the first time around of not keeping it within the personal sphere, but also uh, in the intrapersonal sector as well. It needs to be looked at. So um, the way that Dr. Brene kind of looks at shame, uh, she says that shame is a sense that we are bad, that there is something about us or something that we've done or failed to do that makes us unworthy of love, acceptance, or belonging. With shame, there is a focus on the self. I am bad. There is a focus on the being of the other person, like, oh, that person is bad. They're a bad person. Guilt focuses not on who we are, but rather focuses on that we've done something bad. See, there's there's um, the behavior when it comes to guilt, whereas shame is uh, the, the person themselves or the value of the person themselves. Not the behavior, but who's doing the behavior. Like it's addressing them directly, making a value jump, a leap. So um, whereas we, we would say like shame is I am bad, guilt would be I did something bad. All right. So uh, a, a good way to think about this is uh, say an example. Uh, the example given in the book was you're out the night before having a bender. You're drinking. You're having a great time. Well, the next day you sleep past your alarm. You miss an important work meeting and you're running late to work. So the dialogue that's running through your head is probably something like, oh, my God, I suck. I am the worst. I am such shit. I am an alcoholic. I, I'm going to get freaking fired. <laughs> like, I am awful. I am the worst thing. To Guilt voice would be something like, I can't believe I did that. That was a stupid thing to do. And usually in our minds, both of these ideas are concurrent. In fact, you find shame along with guilt a lot of the time. And that is why the two are misconstrued so often. But again, the difference here is when you look at something like guilt, guilt is being able to say, I did something that doesn't necessarily align with my vision of who I want to be with, who I believe I am, you know? So I'm going to change that. Where the shame takes a look at that mistake that you made or that, that action that you made and goes, I must be a terrible person because I have failed this way. I, I'm awful. Whereas uh, guilt says I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. Guilt says they made a mistake. Shame says they are a mistake. 
So um, that that's the distinction that we're working with here, at least in the realm of uh, Professor Brown's book. And it's it is a definition that I'm inclined to follow because uh, I remember there was a comment earlier. Yes, guilt can turn to shame. There was a comment earlier that said, well, uh, I think that shame can be a useful tool. Uh, I think you can use it to kind of hold yourself accountable to, to make sure you're, you stop yourself from doing things you'll feel guilty about. And again, I think there is kind of a sense of conflation there between the two. Um, but if you are the type of person who uses, who kicks yourself when you're down, when you, when you mess up, you give yourself a pow pow, <laughs> as they, as they say in Spanish, you know, um, what that's kind of, uh, equal to is a concept called you know, positive punishment. Uh, we discussed this in uh, psychology. I, I graduated psychology with a bachelor's, bachelor's in psychology from uh, University of North Carolina, Wilmington here in North Carolina, obviously. <laughs> and uh, what we learned there is uh, that basically when it comes to conditioning, Pavlovian conditioning, when it comes to behavioral conditioning, punishment is less effective uh, than reinforcement. So punishment being things that uh, inflict unpleasantness or pain, uh, whereas reinforcement is rewards. It rewards behaviors. Punishment seeks to remove unwanted behaviors, and reinforcement seeks to encourage the desired ones. Now, it's found, once again, that reinforcement, whether positive or negative, is much more effective in, in 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 training you for better behaviors. So when we say positive and negative, there by the way, uh, we're not saying like a, a value judgment of good or bad. We, what we mean is uh, something either given or taken away. So a positive reinforcement would be a uh, here's a here's a cookie. Have a little cookie for your action. <laughs> and a, a positive uh, or a negative reinforcement would be a. Getting rid of something unpleasant, like a, there's a loud screeching alarm in the room, and you do something good, you you remove the battery from the <laughs> you remove the battery from your fire alarm that's beeping, and the unpleasant beep goes away. That's a reward. <laughs> so that's that there. So when we do shame ourselves as a way to kind of attempt to kick us out of doing things that we don't want to do, or you know kind of force a set of behaviors that we no longer want to embody while it can be effective the problem is that there is a side effect detriment there is a byproduct there that comes out and it it subtly influences us so what is suggested is instead we we reward ourselves when we do something good also there is an importance here made by dr brown um where, where she says it's important to be able to separate who we are from our behaviors. Um, she says this is very important because it's research found that outcomes behind shame and guilt are profoundly different with when it comes to things like addiction, depression, eating disorder, suicide, and violence. Shame, it turns out, correlated with those things at, at, a, at a highly highly conducive rate like with more shame came more risk of of those things of, of suffering through them guilt inversely related to the same 
And that's because there is that distinction. We're able to say, ah, to air is human. And that's okay. But um, we have difficulty doing that. And partially, um, Brown suggests it's partially due to our culture. And I am inclined to completely agree with this. I'm complying. I, I think that it's part of the culture that we have where it's where we it's a scarcity a culture of almost scarcity that that we believe so people have to measure up people have to do their best because if they're not acting right they are obviously scum if you're not, <laughs> uh we we barely rarely uh try to think of hey, this person is a good person who does who makes bad decisions sometimes. We tend to think bad people do bad things. We think in very dichotomous ways, very black and white, strict ways of thinking in our society. And uh, that, that can lead to a lot of really harsh judgments. Um, that means that the stakes are high. We need to constantly perform well. Because if not, people are watching us. People are going to make judgments on us. We see this a lot in, uh, and I hate to bring it up, in cancel culture um, nowadays. There are There's reductionist thinking that tends to occur. And while I am, first off, uh, I am a fan of the accountability that is being brought with it in a lot of respects. But I do find that that reductionist thinking is a dangerous slippery slope to follow um, when it comes to that and uh, for for several reasons but getting back to this uh, let's see so basically we have schemas we have these we have these uh, ideas of what things should look like right when it comes to sex when it comes to the roles that we perform, we see this often. Um, we, uh, I think a lot of people point to pornography as one of the culprits of creating unrealistic standards of what men and women are supposed to be able to do. So, um, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, that that's not the only place. We see sex everywhere in our culture, uh, in marketing, in film, TV, entertainment. All over the place but ironically enough in our society we also see a strange policing and condemnation of a lot of types of sexuality or sexual expressions while we, while it is freely used to market things for for the for the corporate gain on personal levels it's very highly regulated if you notice um, for an example, all you've got to do is turn to the idea of a slut <laughs> and how we, and think about how the slut has been viewed, uh, as an archetype or as a stereotype, even throughout our culture. What does it mean for a woman to be a slut? When you think about the word slut, is it dirty? Is it unclean? Is it someone you would marry? That's right. Or would you marry a slut? <laughs> oh, as long as she's mine. <laughs> oh, as long as he's mine. Oh, see, and is the slut a she or a he? You see, already schemas. Schemas are forming in your brain at the thought of what a slut is. 
and also uh what what kind of values she holds or, or they or he holds yeah that's exactly that so ingrained uh or what kind of things that 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 entails for a person to be a slut if if you want write down below uh what images those bring up when you think of slutiness <laughs> but yes exactly things like that a away from the the sexual sphere uh we have ideas uh about how men and women are supposed to perform and what they're supposed to be like uh some examples given in the book were that women had the idea or they reported that they felt like they were supposed to do it all do it perfectly take care of everyone keep a smile on your face make sure no one ever sees how hard you're working or the struggle behind it and as for men it was uh you can't fail uh shame is failure at work on the football field in bed with money with your children being wrong being defective when people think you're soft and that's interesting when we imagine what soft entails um anything but tough is seen as bad for men and uh when it comes to non-binary i'm sure there are also several examples of what the schemas say that you should be in order to fit to fit in uh and that is where a lot of shame comes from it's kind of the backlash of when you are made to feel like you don't fit in like you are an outlier you're not good enough you can't sit with us <laughs> so um, so shame and the idea of that is not only tied to our schemas, but in a sense of wanting to belong. Well, if we want to belong, we have to fit into the ideas of what's proper, right? <laughs> if we want to be, get married and have kids, we've got to be a nice, sweet, pretty, chaste thing, don't we? we got to be modest, at least. At least. Back in the day, we had to be chaste. <laughs> but, so there is a relationship between these things um at the heart of us lies an innate need and yearning to belong to be a part of something to believe that who we are matters and that people want to be with us it's important neurologically we're programmed to be that way we learned in my anthropology class that when our genus first emerged the genus homo that frontal lobe development made us gregarious creatures, which were creatures that were able to cooperate and cohabitate together. Cohabitate together, I mean. So it's in our biology. Love and belonging are irreducible needs to us. As such, even if it's on a small social spectrum, we do long to be accepted and to have people who want us around. Especially when we look at the lens of intimacy, when we look at the lens of relationships, when we look at the lens of our sexuality. We want people to want us. We want people to desire us. We don't want people to think that the things we like are strange or disgusting or off-putting. We don't want anybody to yuck our yums. And that's that's actually a that's actually a phrase often echoed in uh, kink and BDSM uh, circles. Nobody yucks anybody's yums. So 
And that's important, guys. So I ask you guys uh, out there in the audience, contemplate, where have you seen uh, shame come up? When have you shamed someone? Or when have you been shamed? Um, I know I've heard a lot of men uh, express that they've uh, been shamed for their penis size that's that's a common one that's i remember when i was doing uh work for cam work for OnlyFans for a bit there um a popular option that blew my mind was the fact that they wanted uh they wanted penis ratings they they wanted penis ratings and i I, it blew my mind because i was like okay wait (laughs) like what are you looking to get out of this and i just to account, just kind of as a little experiment, I would offer them and I would say, okay, request what kind of package you want. <laughs> what package evaluation package do you desire? Do you want the honest truth? Do you want me to be super sweet and affirming? Or do you want the humiliation package? Because, hey, that's a kink. <laughs> and more often than not, people, the gentleman asked if you could just please be honest. There were some who were like, please be kind. And what that led me to believe was that here were men who had been at some point in time insulted, who had their their manhoods, their little members uh, laughed at or ridiculed or, you know, just, just insulted, <laughs> shamed. Guess what? That's a good word for it. Shamed. And they were looking for some sort of, uh, any sort of validation. Now, uh, spoiler alert. No matter what, and I'm, I'm going to probably give it away a trade secret, I gave everyone a good rating. <laughs> like, not everybody was a five star, but nobody got like twos or, you know, or even threes, honestly. Like, because what I started to believe, I was like, hey, we can't be shaming each other. If we're, we're saying no to body shaming, that includes, that includes dicks, guys. Um, so what I did do was tell them, was point out features and strengths and and potential weaknesses as well for some shapes and sizes i would be like hey you might not be very strong in in this area like with 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 gentlemen with actually smaller smaller penises i was like okay so there might be there are different erogenous zones in the vulva first and foremost so yours is going to be right at the opening and uh so in order to kind of get that though, you're going to have to do a lot of clitoral stimulation, do a little bit, use it to tease that outer area and kind of like play that little coaxing game. And it could be fun as long as you are doing your work on the other happy regions that a, your partner's body has. And I'm sorry, that was very uh, heteronormative there, but as long as this, this applies to anyone, as long as you're doing certain works, there are strengths for every shape and size same with vulvas i had so many girls that i worked with um in the clubs that that were very self-conscious about um, their labia and some of them had uh, inner labia that stuck out some a little bit and they were like oh i hate it <laughs> somebody told me it looks like an ood from doctor who i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> And I was like, darling, I guarantee you, baby, real men don't care. Real women don't care. Real partners don't care. (laughs) They're going to love you because it is a part of your body. They're going to love 
every every person who's worth their mustard, and this is a message for all of you, every person who's worth their mustard isn't going to be grossed out by you. I remember growing up, I have stretch marks on my on my cheeks, on my butt cheeks, and I was so, so self-conscious about it. And you know why? Because I was shamed. My mother, of all people, pointed them out, and she would make me put on like certain like cocoa butters and creams to try to get rid of them and reduce them because they were unsightly. Well, when I finally became sexually active several years later, not a single goddamn man gave two hoots about my tiger booty. In fact, some of them even liked it. They're like, it's because it's so fat and thick. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's the heck of it, ain't it? Where do these ideas, and why was my mom accidentally shaming me? I guarantee you she didn't mean to give me a complex. Our, idea, our shaming ideas have been ingrained in us by, again, these ideas and these schemas that society has presented. Think about how bad this is, especially in our digital age. Our digital age where we see so, we're flooded with constant stimuli constant visual representations, even audio vocal. We, we're constantly hearing each other at, at mass volumes, crying out about how things are supposed to be, how people are supposed to behave, things like that. And, you know, for better, for worse, those make an impression upon us. So what's important to do is pick those apart. Let's, let's look through this field and pick out these weeds that have been growing. Let's see which ones are flowers, which ones are weeds, which ones are edible. <laughs> and uh, do some telling here. Because a lot of the stories we tell ourselves of how things are supposed to be aren't really founded on anything solid. Um, I did work on something called a prurience clause back when COVID-19 hit. Um, and the SBA was giving out loans, there was a prurience clause which uh, restricted any lascivious industry or like uh, explicit industry from receiving assistance. And that meant the entirety of the adult entertainment industry, which is a huge umbrella. And it includes people, even, even software developers for like porn sites and things like that. The, the umbrella was huge those people could be denied aid like clubs themselves denied aid and it's it was silly and upsetting to me because the classifications used to define what purient content was was so subjectively nebulous like they they didn't even give a standard standard uh, there was a there was a quote from a judge that said well i i don't know how to how to define it but if i saw it i could i could tell you what it was and that was a huge problem to me i looked back and i was like well where what were they using to measure and it a lot of it was uh based on puritanical models of modesty and um chastity that stemmed from religious backgrounds and for better or for worse i i do have a belief that um a lot of our concepts of sexuality as well have been in some way shaped or form especially in our american society modeled by the judeo-christian structure so as times change and as people and society changes it helps to look and see are these still valid Can, is there a better way 
are there better ways to define these things in our lives? Is it still valid? Do people actually care about stretch marks? <laughs> are what is explicitness? How, how do we measure it? I, I did end up coming up with a system in that in that work that was actually pretty comprehensive. But um, it took some doing. It took dismantling of the stigmas that and and shame that that were produced by these antiquated ideals, these these unreachable things, these false ideals, t- to to move onwards and create a better solution. So that's why we're also starting with sex, with with shame, in our sexual talk, and because if we want to be sex explorers, if we want to feel free to actually go beyond our comfort zones and these boundaries we place for ourselves, we gotta wonder why did we put these boundaries up in the first place? Why did I stop telling people that I wanted them to spit in my mouth? Like, oh please don't! I actually, that one's one I don't personally like, <laughs> but but why? Was it because someone went, wow, that's freaking weird. You are gross. Did somebody yuck your yum? Hmm. And if they did, man, I know that hurts. But is it a good reason to still be hiding love? I want everyone to be able to cultivate a nature of resilience, a nature of acceptance for themselves. If first and foremost you want to be accepted by the world, baby girl, baby boys, baby everyone in between. You gotta love yourselves. And in order to do that, you gotta feel like you're enough. That's another thing. We see a lot of not feeling like you're enough. We see that in jealousy. Underneath jealousy, there's the idea of I'm not gonna be enough. Someone's gonna take that person away from me. And the idea of when we chase someone so badly, we want to prove that we're enough. Notice me, senpai. Notice me. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of times we've been made to feel like that's not the case. And those injuries. I want to know, when was that last time you were sh- you felt shamed? Please, uh, definitely... Write it down. Write it down on the Facebook. Write it down on the YouTube comments. Just write it down. Write down a co- write down a time if you feel comfortable with. Or you know what? Email it to me. Email it to me and let me know if you want to be anonymous with that too. And I won't share your name or anything. But maybe we'll talk about your experience a little bit um, anonymously. Email me at uh, ask Addy Adler at gmail.com again that's ask a s k addy a d d y adler a d l e r at gmail.com and let me know either that or you can also write and let me know what does shame look like to you what does shame feel like to you i know we got a comment right here from a listener saying shame is you can't show any weakness of any kind that's true that's vulnerability a lot of people like attacking vulnerabilities when we put our vulnerable hearts out there we're looking to be accepted and um it's uh unfortunate that a lot of that gets kind of ripped back and thrown in our face but again i i want us to start building a foundation of fuck it (laughs) i want us to realize that there is nothing wrong with us There is nothing wrong with us. 
for being a sexual being. Honey, there is nothing wrong with you. You've slept with over 400 people, baby. You're okay. As long as you've been honest with everybody and use proper concepts, and if you've caught anything, you've been able to tell them. <laughs> as long as everything's consensual. <laughs> In consensual sex. It's all good. And of course, that means when I talk about these things, I want to make it very clear that I do mean consensual sexuality. Animals cannot consent. Children cannot consent. There's actual neurobiology behind that. There is scientific data that backs that up. So aside from those two, those pederasts and those who are into bestiality, like real bestiality, like if you fap to dragons and furries, okay, you wear fursuits, hell yeah, you do that, you yiff, yiff away. <laughs> but if you're, uh, you're looking at your sweet little Fido, um, some type of way, I'm just gonna let you know that that's, that's not condoned. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> Uh, but everything else, darling, you want to, you want to wear pantyhose, drip honey on that shit and run naked in the rain and that's what gets you off? Hell yeah, baby. Do it. Use locally sourced honey. Delicious. <laughs> I, I want, I want everyone to get to that point where they are confident enough that they realize that they deserve to be accepted because when you finally realize okay the things that have been holding me back mm, they weren't that strong it's like that picture with the horse by the fence and it's, he's not actually tied off but he thinks he is once you realize baby there's no tie there that's substantial once you realize man i'm a freaky dicky person and i'm okay i want to go find that i want to find people who are chill with that you open yourself up honey you open yourself to up to even yourself like, what if you never felt comfortable touching yourself before? How dare I? Masturbation is dirty. It's sinful. It's awful. I'm, I'm violating myself. Where did that idea come from, love? Now, if you really truly believe that at the end of the day, then all right. It's not for you. That's completely okay as well. But if there are some things that you grew up believing, some myths you grew up believing and somehow uh, internalized, I want to take a moment to examine those. And again, a lot of those are kept in place by shame and guilt. Mostly shame. <laughs> so I want us to take, take a good hard look at those things and for next time, bring that to the table. Especially, uh, <coughs> sorry when it comes to our ideas of, of genders and, and sexuality and how we're, what, we're, what roles we're supposed to take in, in our sexual experiences. And that's important to see. Uh, so yeah, if you'd like to do that again, Tuesdays and Thursdays are going to be when I stream. Thursdays are going to be more of uh, lectures, kind of like this, uh, but hopefully in the future with with some video, I think I'm going to pre-record them and uh, make them like a little fun, a little produced, you know, some cool little visuals, all that stuff. 
keep you interested. And then on Tuesdays, we're going to talk about it. So Thursdays, we think about it. And Tuesdays, we talk about it. Kind of like this. But also maybe with video, if I can figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, hopefully you're enjoying yourself today. I'm going to keep it nice and short. Uh, about just about over 30 minutes here and uh hopefully we'll see you next time if you got any questions any comments go ahead and drop me a line drop a comment below if you're on youtube please subscribe smash that bell whatever the hell freaking algorithm is asking you to do nowadays if you're on facebook hi friends love you thank you for supporting me um drop a comment below if you're anywhere else or if you just like emails, again, that's askaddieadler at gmail.com. Now, as I mentioned before, I am working towards getting my Somatica Institute certification for being a sex coach. It is a $15,000 certification process. It's the classes and the cert, and it's I'm going to be, you know, a lot of little accolades that come along with it. It'll, it's, it's my goal, man. It's my dream. I want to be able to make people happy and uh, sexually liberated and free to free to just be who they are, you know, um, and enjoy themselves and enjoy each other. So if you want to believe in my dream, believe with me, uh, please, I do encourage if you can give some financial support. Uh, I can't do Twitch because they are super sensory and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to get donations while I stream. But I do have a cash app, uh, so it's dollar sign Adelina Adler. Just dollar sign A-D-E-L-I-N-A-A-D-L-E-R. And both A's are capitalized. Oh, I'm a capital fellow. <laughs> Again, Adelina Adler, A-D-E-L-I-N-A. <laughs> I forgot where I was. <laughs> Adler, A-D-L-E-R. All right. And <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. Hopefully, uh, this got you thinking about shame and how it affects us a little bit with our sexuality. Um, some more examples if, if you want. Uh, nah, no, no, let's not. Let's, let's save that for next time. Next time, we're going to go into some more examples. Now that we know what the difference is between guilt and shame... And we are thinking about schemas and false ideals. We're getting those gears turning. Let's start picking apart where we see that in our society. Where we see that. Start thinking about that. And then when we come back next Tuesday, we'll, I'll give some more examples, some concrete examples of where we see that. And give you kind of an example of how we dissect and dismember these, uh, these rhetorics for validity. And... Uh, find our true little nuggets of value underneath okay all right guys thank you so much for joining me on that one hopefully this round was a little bit smoother than that first one um got a little bit tangent oriented on that one uh so um yeah and hopefully we'll see you on the next one take care everybody and have a good evening <laughs>